welcome to the Independent Thinking Show for Fifth Wrist Radio. This is a place dedicated to showcasing the great people doing interesting things in the world of horology. My name is Roman, and today I'm joined by my friend and co-conspirator Rob from Geneva Blue. Hey Rob, how are you? Yeah, g'day. Yeah, good, good. All good. It's been a while since you and I did a show together, but you know, at some point those restraining orders lapse and we're back together. Yeah, they can't, can't, can't keep us apart <laughs> for too long basically. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, we have a really cool guest joining us today, somebody whose name has actually come up on the show a few times before. So someone I've had I've had in mind to invite on the show and actually somebody I've had a pleasure of meeting in London, so which is nice to reflect on when international travel is kind of a thing we can <laughs> no longer do. Uh, well, please welcome Tim Jackson from Independent in Time. Hey, Tim. Hey, Roman. Rob. How you going, mate? Great. It's a great pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Always good to hear your voice. So, uh, as I was saying, so you and I we met in London last October. Indeed, we did. Yeah. So yeah, so that was for the Worshipful Company of Clockmakers livery dinner. The Worshipful Company of Clockmakers. What do they worship apart from clocks? Oh, we're not at liberty to say. You know, it's one. It's like the Masons. You know, we don't discuss <laughs> secret handshakes and all that. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah, I actually I got um, sort of put up for it by David Walter. The, uh, oh, right. Friend of the show. Yeah. So bring it all full circle. The Perth, originally Perth Australian, uh, who now lives, you know, a couple of hours from me uh, here in California. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's funny, so, isn't it? Uh, and um, yeah, just and for the listeners, I suppose, though, well, they probably know. But I, I, we go back a little bit, Tim. I haven't seen you for a little while since I yeah, skipped no. the last. I wasn't there the last, the very last Basel World, but um, I was at a side church that year. But we, I've, I guess I've known you. And Jana, what ten years? I suppose at least um, a bit more. Maybe those dinners and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in Basel, so we go back a little bit. Well, Tim, I mean, you'll be Tim. You'll be well known, certainly to the North America watch collecting community. But maybe give us a little bit. You know, we like to put guests on the spot. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we can springboard from there. Oh no, really? Okay. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, where do I start? Uh, well, I've been in the business a long time. I, I'm actually uh, sort of how I, I fell into the business sort of by accident uh, through some family friends in the UK many, many years ago. Um, and through that, I discovered that I didn't know what I was talking about, you know, working in a jewelry shop. So <laughs> gemology uh, seemed to be an avenue where you could sort of go to school and um, get some sort of technical knowledge with which to then uh, you know, talk to clients in a vaguely intelligent way because mm. I'm not really one of those guys that can just sort of BS my way through uh, <laughs> you know, selling a product. I really need to know what I'm talking about um, to feel comfortable talking about it. Yeah, so, sure. So, yeah, that's how it's sort of I, – I went to school, went to gemology school, actually here in the States, uh, almost embarrassed to say, 33 years ago. I will cut that bit out. Um, yeah, well, um, and you know, and, and I've been working in the. I ended up staying here in the U.S. and I was on the East Coast for a couple of years in Boston, and then moved out to California in '91, uh, and uh, have been you know, doing this on and off in different forms for, since then. And uh, my background is as a gemologist. I love antique jewelry, and I, I bought and sold that for many years, sort of on the wholesale level. Um, but you know, and every now and then I come across watches, and I've always been fascinated by watches. I didn't really know much about it, mm. um, but I would buy them. And again, this is going back 25, 28 years ago. This was these were typically Rolexes that I'd buy, maybe the odd Patek. Um, and at the time, my 
A former wife worked in a jewelry store as a retail jewelry store in Silicon Valley in Northern California. So, you know, they would take the watches because they had a, a way to you know, service them, mm. clean them up and, and turn around and sell them. Um, and it wasn't until 2003, I suppose, um, when I was doing what a lot of people do these days, which is spend an awful lot of time on a computer <laughs> looking at watches. And um, I came across, and it was probably on the Purist website, may have been Time Zone, uh, a, a watch, somebody posted a watch with an enamel dial by this guy called Peter Speak Marin, who I'd never heard of. Cause mm, friend of the show. <laughs> Yeah, we used to, you know, in my previous business, we carried all the big brand type stuff. Um, and no, no, you know, this was before independence were really uh, people were aware of them. And I was fascinated to see uh, a watchmaker using an enamel dial in a sort of entry level watch, if you will, stainless steel case. Uh, because most of the big brands, if they use enamel dials, they use them for your know, high end pieces yeah, of course. for a minute repeater, tourbillon, or something. And so, and I found his fledgling website back then and you know, saw the picture of the original Piccadilly with the white enamel dial and Roman numerals, which I believe both you chaps have. Mm. Um, and I fell in love. I was like, wow, that's an amazing watch. Mm -hmm. you know, so I first sent him an email. And uh, you know, long and short of it is that we met the following year in Basel. Uh, he and uh, Danielle at the time, and we, we made an order for five watches. And that's sort of the beginning of my independent watchmaking um passion wow. and you know that so that was back in 2003 the watches arrived in probably october no sorry august that year um and you know this was silicon valley was sort of starting to get going uh there were some pretty savvy watch collectors some very wealthy watch collectors and these guys you know i told them about meeting peter in basel that year and I'd taken some pretty crappy pictures. To <laughs> but, you know, it gave people the idea of what it was. And, and I was very excited about the prospect of working with a you know, real living watchmaker mm. as opposed to a brand. And um, when the box, the FedEx box arrived, I knew exactly when it was coming, <laughs> obviously, with the technology. And we had five or six guys sort of sitting in the shop when the box arrived. And, um, you know, they were eager to see what, what was there. And I took the box in the back, opened it. There were five watches, the five watches that we ordered. Actually, one of them wasn't the watch I ordered, um, but it was fine anyway. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, well, it was yeah, it was a white gold, um, uh, thirty-eight millimeter. Well, everything was thirty-eight millimeter back then. It was a white gold Piccadilly with a, a cream uh, Roman dial, and I think. In my mind, that we'd ordered a different dial. I think we'd ordered an Arabic dial in it. Anyway, it was Roman, and it was, you know, it looked great. So, no, no big deal, no harm done. Um, and one of the watches was a rose gold, uh, white Roman dial, and it was a serial number one. Mm. And Peter, being Peter, he's actually a fairly savvy businessman. <laughs> um, so, so he, the, the meeting in Basel, he actually uh, offered uh, there were three serial number ones. That, Nice, nice. Aside, and you know, obviously to entice us to uh, do some business. Um, and so, what that, wow. that rose gold watch was one of those serial number ones. And I thought, Christ, oh, this is the only opportunity I'm going to get to mm. have a serial number one, probably. So I just left it in the safe, and I took the other four out to the eagerly waiting chaps outside. Yeah, and um, 
and we, you know, after a couple of hours and people oohed and aahed and you know, three of them disappeared that afternoon, I thought, Christ, I'm onto something. Mm. This is, this is, uh, this is unreal. Um, and it, and I laughed because <laughs> I, during the meeting back in Basel that year, one of the things I said to Peter was, you know, Peter, your, I think your watches are fantastic, but you know, I'm, what happens if I can't sell them? Nobody knows you. Nobody knows about you. I mean, yes, you know, there's a few, you've sold a few watches, but you know, normally with the big brands, we get you know terms, and you know, if we can't sell something, we can usually exchange it. Um, what do we do? Because I'm, you know, I'm, I have to pay up front for these watches. Mm. And he looked at me. He said, "No, a fair question." He said, I, "You know, if you can't sell any of these, not a problem. I'll, I'll, I'll exchange. I'll take it back, and you know, we'll find a, a model that does sell for you, dial, color, what have you." He said, I'm pretty confident because I've sold, I think at the time he'd sold three or four into, uh, to, directly to collectors who had found him somehow yeah, right. into Northern California. So, so, so he said, yeah, I, I think, you know, no problem. I said, fine, then I'll sign the purchase order. And that was it. And we dashed off, you know, and then it could come full circle in, in August when we sold those watches and we were packing up the shop that afternoon. I thought, God, that's funny. You know, remember that discussion with Peter, what happens <laughs> if I can't sell these? Now it's, I need more. So... Yeah, that's sort of the beginning of <laughs> of my journey. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, beginning of the end. Um, so, I mean, yeah. So, so was that the spur then? Because your current business model, in terms of watches, is exclusively independent, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at the time, we carried brands like Ulysse Nardin, uh, Vacheron, IWC, Blancpain, Glasuta Original, Tutima, and so forth. And you know these little sort of couple of independent watches here and there were sort of in a way a bit of a distraction, but they weren't, they were, there was something magical there. And, uh, you know, Marco Lang was the next guy that I started working oh, with. Cool. Then the hub, yeah, then the hub rings in 2005. Um, and so, you know, I got Peter to come over and you know, introduce him to a whole lot of these collectors in Silicon Valley. Um, and the first time he did that, it was, you know, he, I don't think he'd done a lot of traveling at that point. Um, <laughs> but I said, you know, we're going to have dinner with, you know, there's 50 people coming to dinner at this restaurant. And he wow. looked at me and sort of slightly look of abject horror. I said, then, um, you know, they're, they're very excited to hear what you have to say and why you make your watches. Yeah. And he looked at me, he said, what do you mean? I've got to stand up and talk to these people. <laughs> I said, yes, Peter, this is part of what you have to do. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, so anyway, if you see him now in front of a crowd, he's unbelievable. Yeah. He's, you know, he holds them to rapt attention. And Rob, I know you know you've seen him, you know, work a room, and you know, he's brilliant, and he's, and he's honest and straightforward, yeah. and as genuine as they come. Yeah, but yeah, you know that came across. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah it's uh, so so yeah, it's a, and so now, you know, fast forward ten years ago when, when um, we opened Passion in, here in Solana Beach in Southern California, um, I didn't want to work with any brands. I, I, mm had enough um, swatch group who owned several of the brands that we worked with and Richemont don't give a crap about the end user or the ind independent jeweler mm. um, for them. It's hardcore <laughs> business and it's money and, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but uh, it wasn't fun. It wasn't, <laughs> you know, I, I love the interaction that I have with these watchmakers and, and, the, and obviously the clients, the end users. Um, and it wasn't fun with a big brand. So we were like, let's not do it just work with these independents 
and fortunately they liked it. Yeah, absolutely. And and how have you found so have you found a receptive audience within your customers for these, you know, obscure, really interesting but often quirky indies? Yeah, I mean, so when I left the business in Silicon Valley at the end of 2009, uh, I basically spent you know the whole sorry, the end of 2008, uh, I spent the whole of 2009 sort of building a website called Independent in Time, basically to sort of promote, showcase these independent watchmakers who I was sort of discovering more and more as time went on. There were more of these guys and, you know, in Basel, I could meet them, talk to them, have a chat with them, have a drink, have have several drinks. Uh, And, (laughs) you know, and it was a relationship business as opposed to a sort of transactional business, which transactional businesses are not fun that's important and um i don't want to do it so um you know people if somebody makes a good product uh that's you know well made uh, well designed and obviously that's somewhat subjective the design part you know if it's a, if it's a straightforward honest product that's well made uh, by good people who you know, know how to communicate that then they're going to find customers and more and more with today's technology um it's not necessarily through people like me, but it's, you know, through the web, Instagram, and so forth, Facebook and all that stuff. And and, and through people like you yourselves as well, because I think the days of watching long videos on, let's say, YouTube, I don't have time for it. I, mean, I have time to listen mm. to these, which I love when I go for walks or, you know, I'm wandering on the beach for an hour. I can plug in the headphones, listen to you guys <laughs> prattle on about some fun stuff. So, and boy, do we prattle. No, you're great. It's, it's highly entertaining. And, you know, it's funny because I, t- I think I was talking to you, Roman, last year when we were in London. I don't know if I asked you. I said, do you know a guy called Rob? Who's in? Yes, you did. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Well, I, at that stage, Rob, I sort of briefly met you once in Melbourne yeah, when you did him. the Time for a Tide yeah. thing. I was like, yeah, I think, yes, it's Bulgar. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Correct. Yes. Right. So, and here we are today. Yeah. And now, you know, I'm talking to. You know, Rob, who I've known, say, for 10-plus years, and a new Roman who we met last year. I mean, it's yeah, a small world. Great. It's amazing. Absolutely. Well, one of the one of the topics you just brought up, Tim, was something I wanted to talk about later, but we might as well get into it now. What do you think is kind of the, you know, we hear these doom and gloom things about, you know, ADs shutting down and brand selling direct and things like that. Mm-hmm. What's the? What do you think is the role or the future of kind of? He wants to ask. He wants us to ask him about which drink. Hang on, we've been fifteen minutes in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, okay. Fine. I, I always forget that. I know, Rob. You get antsy about fifteen minutes in. I always like. I usually do that as an afterthought and crowbar it in in post edit. But fine. We'll 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 do we'll get your way. Fine, Rob. Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll do a drink check and a wrist check. Fine. <laughs> it's all right, you guys. It's a morning for you guys, isn't it? Right, it is. Yeah, well, it's very early morning for very early morning for Rob. Yeah, I don't know who dragged me into this. Eight o'clock, and it's Saturday morning, right, for you guys? In the morning, it's just not on. This is going to be the last Christ. time ever. Okay, Roman, you're a taskmaster. <laughs> well, you know what else is he going to do? He's in Perth. It's a slow life. I mean, every day is a weekend in Perth. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> That's a great life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're right. All right, Rob. Well, let's let's get into your. But what's your drink check? I, I kick off because I've got a double. I've got a double espresso, a double espresso coffee on made on the stove. My little espresso machine. It's probably a bit cold now, but I'm going to top it up. But um, I went. I whipped down to the local French bakery and got some croissant. So I've got that. I'm going to get into those. So if I go on mute, that's what All I'm right. going to be doing. Okay, I'm going to be nibbling away at my croissant and drinking my coffee. 
I suspect what's on the wrist. You know what's on the wrist. You guys know what's on the wrist, right? It's stainless steel. You're going to have a fair old guess. Yes, I've got the Piccadilly stainless steel. Um, Enamel dial. It's a beautiful watch. 38 millimeters. It wears bigger there, doesn't it? Um, enamel, off-white enamel, cream enamel dial, sort of off-white. It's um, Yeah, so you got the cream, right? Yes, Sweet. yeah. It's a very subtle cream, though. It looks, looks kind of looks white unless you get into yeah. the light. If you if you put it next to the white ones, you can see it, but otherwise... Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's when yeah. you can tell. And I've put it next to Andrew's a few times. Yeah. Um, this is number two um, of this series, or of this, this wow. size. Do you have Arabics or Romans? Roman numerals. Very, very, they're very yep. fine Romans and the very fine railway track around the outside. And it's just a, just a cracker. Such a beautiful watch. Lovely. What about you, Tim? Well, I've today I'm... Wearing a Kodoki one. That's beautiful. Uh, in stainless steel with the silver dial, which I, when I, I met with Stefan in Basel, would have been now two years ago, three years ago when he announced this. Um, and I'd known him for a while, and uh, his wife, Eve, who's lovely, she worked with Marco Lang at Lang and Heiner for many, many years. I never knew that. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, and, and I'd met Stefan you know, at, at Basel for years. Uh, because you know, through Eve, and she said, "You know, go and see Stefan and produce these fantastic uh, skeleton watches by hand." Where he's one of the few guys on the planet that still does it with an old school mm. jeweler's saw and actually cuts out the bridge work. Um, and and while they're fantastic and cool, and you know, the kudok to person, all that sort of stuff is is really neat. I'd never, honestly, from a, I guess I've, I am commercial occasionally. I'd never been asked for a skeleton watch, and so I, I couldn't really justify buying some of his watches from mm. the shop. Um, but anyway, the, the the year that he showed me the prototype Kodoki 1, which is the new uh, sort of a handmade watches, as he calls them, uh, he was like, oh, now this is something that I can get into. And um, you know, we, we bought a couple of watches while we're sitting having coffee in Basel, and that was it. Um, so yeah, this, this watch showed up, and again, I decided I probably should keep this one because it's serial number one. <laughs> I was going to say... I remember you showed me that watch in London. I think when you know, I think it was incoming yeah. or something. Like you had a picture on your yep. phone, and it was like, "Wow, bloody hell!" Yeah, beauty. Yeah, it's it's, it's lovely. It's very. I mean, the speak maroon I have is lovely with those Roman numerals, those elongated Romans. I just love those. But this has very subtle small Romans at twelve, three, six, or nine around the outside, sort of minute track, if you will. Um, and I just, yeah, I love it. The hands. His infinity hand for the hours. It's just brilliant. Yeah, it's a great piece. And what's in your glass slash mug? Uh, today, this is a red, Californian red um, cab from Napa Valley. Mm, of course. It's called Editorial. I've, I bought a few of these. I don't know why uh, I bought more than one, but I have a few. And um, yeah, it's a sort of classic California cab. It's Friday evening here and afternoon and it's time to have a drink so yeah but is that in a traditional red wine glass or um uh, i actually did put in a red wine glass i you know in deference ah. to alex i couldn't quite ruin this by putting in a pint glass but i have a so um one of these days i'll there are plenty of drinks that i drink out of a pint glass but red wine right can't quite do it. <laughs> give it a year or two you know you're gonna ease yourself into it that's right <laughs> oh that's cool indeed, indeed. i love how you a lot of your stories i love uh tim i love how a lot of your stories like met the watchmaker we had a coffee sealed the deal 
Like, it's just, you know, it just, it's over conversation. It's not like, oh, we had lawyers contacted. It's like, no, no, we just had a coffee at Basel. Seal the deal. Yeah, no, that, that's it's, how it works. It is. And I mean, Rob, you know, you, you've been in the business. It's, it's one of the few businesses that I know of where people, you know, do business with a handshake. And, yep. um, you know, there aren't lawyers involved. Still. I mean, yeah. maybe if you're doing, you know, huge transactions of vast amounts. But at this end of the business, it's, and even, you know, the jewelry business, which does, you know, sometimes it can be hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's done on a handshake and it's your reputation. And, um, if you, you know, if you fuck it up, it's game over. You don't get asked back, um, which is great. And I, and I love that aspect of it because it's, it really makes for, what I think of as sort of a real human interaction where, you know, you're looking somebody in the eye and you're asking them questions and you know where the, the person stands and if you feel funny about it, you walk away. And if it's right, you know it from that gut instinct. And that gut instinct is never wrong of doing this for 30 years and buying and selling, you know, jewelry, diamonds, what have you. Your gut instinct is always right. And for most of our lives, especially today, we don't get that opportunity to have that that way of, of conducting ourselves with other people because so much is done either online or over a phone um, and, you, and you miss so much in communication when you don't get to talk to somebody you know face to face which is a tragedy but hey that's where we find ourselves um, so yeah it's it's a it's a very special business and I feel very very honored and you know very fortunate to have found this don't, don't have any family in the business so mm. just as it's uh sort of fell into it and here i am same same yeah in a different route obviously but anyway what are you what are you wearing roman what are you, what are you drinking so um so drinks wise i've extended usually i have a gin and tonic but yeah, i think 11 o'clock in the morning it's just a little bit too early so i thought i'd, uh, go, I'd mix it up with oh, a, no no hang on, on hang on i haven't finished yet so i mixed it up with a like a breakfast bloody mary so that's almost that's oh, almost vegetable okay. juice you know that's 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 almost right. health drink because I thought I Good can't job. put gin in, but vodka is fine. Made of potatoes, it'll do. You know. Yeah, that's a Russian in you. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. You know, <laughs> although they would just hold the tomato juice on the side, give it to the children. Right. You know, just have the vodka and the <laughs> celery stick. Uh, so, so that's the drink. So that's the drink. Um, now on the wrist, I actually thought you guys were both going to wear your Peter Spick Marins. And I thought uh, I won't wear a third one because that would be awkward. Right. Because actually, if, had we all done that, would have been the first podcast I'm aware of that. It'd be three. You know, speak Marin's on the wrist, all with serial numbers under ten as well. Because I think, because Tim, you've got one. Rob, I think has two. Mm-hmm. I've got, I've got two actually. I've got one that's number four and a number eleven in a different yeah. dial configuration. So, but we both love the thirty eights. Yeah, wow. I use reverse psychology. I knew that you would think that, and that you wouldn't wear one then. So I thought I'll better. Be, I was going to be the only one with one on because I knew that you guys wouldn't wear it because ah. you would think the same. And I almost didn't. Then I thought oh, it was triple reverse psychology. Yeah, totally. Anyway. And it, yeah, it worked well. So, <laughs> so what do you get on? Yeah. So what I actually got. So I've got a Torsty Lane because I know it's another maker that that Tim has worked with mm. before. Um, so nice. I've got an eighteen seventeen. Yep. Uh, serial number one. So, because I thought Tim might be wearing his number one. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, you know, it right. would match the serials. Um, yeah. So, Beautiful. Yeah. He's got one up us. And Torsty's another one you, of those. You have the engraved dial one, right? I do. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've got the engraved dial and just beautiful sort of, you know, engraved yep. um, plates on the back and stuff. 
And yeah, it, and I think you and I, I think, and the way I discovered Torsty was actually through you as well, Tim. One of our chats in London, I think we were, I was sort of having a chat about, mm-hmm. you told me about the Kodoka said, oh, that's really cool. I've, you know, I knew about the skeletonized stuff. I didn't really, at that stage, yep. I didn't know that he was actually moving away from skeletonized to the sort of new, beautiful aesthetic that he's got. And I said, oh, who else are you working with? And you said, oh, this guy yep. out of Finland. I'm like, oh, okay, I better look him up. I'm like, whoa. So I think it kind of reinforces the, Yep. The need for, like, the importance of guys like you and Rob really championing the little indies beavering away, you know, in Finland or Germany or whatever it is. And what I find yeah. really interesting is mm. actually pick your brain because I think the first time I actually was aware of you, Tim, is actually through the blogs, through Purist Pro was really the first blog where you, know, you were quite active and, you know, sharing your knowledge and, you know, which was really wonderful for somebody like me getting into indie watches you know, all the way in Australia, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, back mm-hmm. in early 2000s, wasn't a lot of noise right. about them. So I think it's this really, yeah. the real importance right. of champions like you and Rob championing the little brands on the other side of the world. I think, yeah, it's so important. And I'm hoping, and I hope that continues on as we move, you know, the brands change and Basel World withers away and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And what do you think the kind of the future, like looking at, let's say, Basel World, what do you think is the future now for indies? How will you and Rob find the little brands and get to meet face to face? Well, I'll, I'll go. I, I, I don't think there's still there's still little little tiny shows on. Um, I guess in, in, in Geneva, the problem is, or, or in Switzerland, just we can't get back there at all, basically. Mm. Um, so it's kind of uh, it's 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 tricky. Like the Torsten Lane, the Lane, and these things where where. You know, often people haven't heard of them until, well, I, that was only pretty recent. I heard, I'd heard, I've heard of that. I'd heard of that, and there's always new brands popping up, basically. So it's kind of um, it's nice to be over there and be running around. I mean, people say that you know they're all sick of Basel World anyway, and they're glad it's finished. And in a way, it's understandable, especially if you deal mostly with big brands. But for the little brand, that's where there's a real lack of um, contact now with new brands or f- meeting new people. Because they don't have the show's not there anymore. So, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's it's a pity that that's yeah. These these little these sort of I guess to, you know my global meetup where you can you have opportunity to meet new people and you run around and um you just spot people and they're like, oh, that looks interesting. Go and go and talk to them because some of these some of the watchmakers they're they're, they're pretty. I mean, they're, they're good business guys sometimes, but some of them are at the start and and they're kind of pretty uh, a bit shy and modest and stuff. And you you got to go yeah. and talk to them to get it out of them. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, to me, it's a, in a way, it's a tragedy that you know Basel World and, and the, for me, the blame lays mostly with the organisers. Mm. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and and also the city of Basel itself. I've been going there since twenty years, I guess, um, until last year, and you know, paying the prices for sausages and a, you know, a beer. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just part of it, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. You're used to it because what else are you going to do? But, yeah, you know, that's after right. a while, been bent over that many times. You don't feel good. <laughs> so, um, and I know, I don't know, you know, I, I know why people are you know, sort of in a way sort of happy that it's over. But um, mm. for the independent guys, I think it's a shame because it was a there was a real sense of camaraderie up in the AHCI and the exactly. area where these guys hang out. And you know, if you if you have that interest, you typically um, fascinated by real watchmaking if you so as i call it and, and the people involved and, you, and it was the one time a year where 
and that's how Rob and I know each other. We got, you know, you got together with these great guys and mm. um, you'd have a few beers or many beers, um, dinners, <laughs> you know, be up to the wee hours of the morning, um, you know, talking watches, of course, uh, <laughs> um, you know, and, and now we don't have that, or at least uh, we're not going to have it. We didn't have it this year and I'm not sure what's going to happen next year, whether or not we can have a sort of a gathering of that end of the business, I don't know because um, you kind of it sort of goes part and parcel with the big brands as much as I don't care about them, mm. I don't deal with them anymore. I mean, they make great watches, some of them, but uh, I don't I don't know that it's possible really to have um, on a sort of scale that we had in Basel all these independents in the same place without having the big brands and the sort of the support yeah. of the infrastructure. I don't exactly. know, I mean, Rob, you know, yeah. maybe know more on that side of it than. It's a shame. It, ultimately, it really is because I've I look forward to it every year and say been going twenty years. It's still exciting the first time you walk into the, the halls yep. and you know you yep. get to see what people have been up to. And sometimes you know what they've been up to. Other times it's all brand new and and it's it's exciting. And it's uh, and and you know for collectors as well. I mean I know a few of my collectors have been able to go over there and come and meet you know the guys that make their watches and that's. You, you can't put a price on that. Really, it's it's very very special and very powerful for, for a collector who you know exactly. Yeah, you cannot put a price on it. That's the that's the that's the key phrase. You, you cannot. Yeah. It's something that's it's it's, it's experiential and and mm-hmm. you know and they talk about you know the younger generations and I'm aging myself now, but you know wanting an experience. Basel <laughs> um, World is an experience, unlike anything else I've ever been to. I've been to you know, yep. watch. Uh, watch sure. events here in the US and while some of them are great fun they're not the same yeah i don't know i don't know how that plays out yeah i mean there is something tragic about you know the loss the loss of buzzword just from a historical point of view you know if it survived world war 2 and you know world war 1 and you know kept going and then to suddenly sort of die yeah. a sort of a pretty abrupt and dispiriting kind of death it it is tra- tragic is really the word yeah um well so Looking at, you know, from the other side of the industry, so, you know, if I look at Instagram or social media, I mean, Instagram is really the only social media I kind of use these days. There is every day there seems to be new brands, new watchmakers doing pretty cool things, right? You know, it seems to be the barrier to entry is lower or people at least more people are getting into it. So if you're a young brand or if you're a young guy trying to, or girl for that matter, trying to make stuff, how do they attract yeah. the likes of you and Rob? You know, how do you promote your work? I mean, in the chorus of a hundred thousand people making stuff, what's the best way for it? If mm. somebody's a young brand, if if it's a young maker listening now, going, Tim sounds like a cool dude. What's the best way for them to kind of catch your eye? Rob sounds like a dick. <laughs> you're equal. You're a champion on the other side of the world of exactly the same stuff. So, how do they? How do? How do makers find champions? Is what I'm trying to ask, really. Um. Okay. So. For me, you know, yeah, no, no, I, I, look, I, I love watchmaking. I, I, I like the, I like the people involved, but at the end of the day, the products mm. going to speak to you, and you know, there's, there's an aesthetic aspect to watchmaking which is sort of key to reaching people. And some people's aesthetic works for some people. It rarely works for everybody, um, and that you know, that would be really boring if it did. Um, it would be Rolex. Oh, did I say that? Sorry. No. <laughs> no, the, um, the only, the only uh, acceptable contract. No, Rolex makes great watches. They're, they're just... Bland. Yeah. Um, 
No, I mean, yeah, they're ubiquitous, but, and that's fine. Um, they make great watches. I'm, I, don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the quality for that many watches is pretty remarkable. And all, actually, all the watchmakers I work with are kind of in awe of how they can make that mm. money and be that consistent and that you know, accurate, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, the, a, a, young, you know a, a beginning watchmaker um, who has decided they want to you know, make their mark in micro-mechanical horology or art, if you want to call that, you got to do it, put it out there, and um, hopefully it's designed and, and made in, in such a way that it, you know, it works for people. There's an awful lot of information out there that you can garner without even you know, making a watch um, in order to give you, I would think, uh, I'm not a watchmaker, give you a pretty good idea of what people want. Because at the end of the day, if nobody wants your product, you're screwed. So, um, you know, if you make a watch with a thermometer on it, you know, who's going to buy that? I don't know. I don't know anybody who's going to buy a watch with a thermometer. And every now and then, I'm going to say, I've got one of them. There are a couple of watchmakers who've yeah, made yeah. them over the years. Yeah. And, you know, on a, on a super, Reggae. super mm -hmm. complicated, you know, pocket watch, that was obviously, uh, obviously, but that in the old days was mm. a complication that was added uh, by watchmakers, maybe to beat the other guy who, you know, put 27 and now you get to make a watch with 28 complications. <laughs> you know, yours is bigger than theirs. Type thing, but um, you know, in this day and age, if you produced a watch with a you know a moon phase and a thermometer on it, I don't know that many people would be excited about a thermometer. So you know, to the watchmakers who are out, you know, beginning, I think there's a I wouldn't say a formula, but there's there's definitely parameters within which you probably ought to make a watch so that people will want to buy it. Um, and then, you know, the, the pricing and the finishing and the degree of hand finishing and all that other good stuff comes into it. Uh, and again, there's there's an awful lot of information now that there wasn't prior to internet and all these uh, mm. social media sharing platforms with pictures where, you know, in the old days, I think it was a lot more difficult. It's, it is that the barriers have been lowered on in, in many ways, which is good. Um, it, it still requires, though, fair amount of gumption and, you know, as I call it, blood, sweat and tears to get to the point where you, know, you have a product that people want to buy and are willing to buy. Um, and let's say you're, you know, you're brand new. You, you've got to, you know, you've got to get people on board and that requires a product that people want to buy. It's, it's, it's not, yeah, it's, it's having product, but as you said, to be willing to buy it often, even this day and age, people want to see it feel it and talk you know talk about it and and have it so no matter how good your social media is and your your your, your marketing online or everything else which is a big part of it obviously these days these little brands but people say yeah okay sounds good sounds good sounds that sounds sounds awesome let's do it i'll see you next year at basel or i'll see you you know this year whatever it's always that sometimes the clincher is that you want to see the product you want to feel it in your hands you want to meet the person behind it which has always been my thing you're meeting the guy behind it yeah basically yeah um, and if you can't do it at Basel um, or, or, or at um, whatever the big shows in the States, it's yeah. not quite the same, but there's people that go there. What, what are you going to do? You, you sort of, you, some people sort of hang off a bit and I just can't try and, um, that's always been my thing. I, I don't, I don't want to sell a watch if I've not met the guy making it. And these days, if I can't meet the guy for two years, then you're, you're that far behind. It's kind of a bit tricky. Yeah. Well, it's, that's an interesting point. I, I think I, yeah, Rob, I think I agree with you for the most part. Although, you know, given now I'm just thinking about it, uh, Torsty, for example, Torsty Lane, I actually had not met him 
Um, I bought one right. of those 1817 uh, original watches with a it had a sort of white mm. dial with Romans on it. It was just a white lacquer dial, um, and it, but it had the hand okay. engraved movement. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, you know, which is a, an ETA base. Um, and I bought that directly from him three and a half years ago because I, you know, I, I saw what he was doing online, hadn't actually met the fellow, but I could tell right. enough that this was something interesting and the, the, and the, the level of fin- hand finishing on that movement seemed to me yes. to be pretty extraordinary for what he was charging. Mm. Uh, and I paid, yeah. you know, full price that anybody else would pay for it because I was, I was intrigued and, um, and I wanted kind of to start something with him and I thought, yeah. I'll take a risk with this guy. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't a risk. Look, he, he won a prize from Lange and Zerner. Um, mm. You don't win a prize from them if you're a Muppet. And so <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that much yeah, of a true. risk. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. And you do have but you do have 30 years of experience, you know, to, to be able to get to that point where you can make that choice and, and, and you're sort of, you know, yeah, take, a cha- yeah. not take a chance, but it's, it is it's still taking a little bit of a chance. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and when the watch arrived, I was, you know, thrilled. I mean, yeah, the, the dial was maybe a little plain, um, you know, a, a white yeah. dial, but still as a watch, it was lovely. And the experience was, was great and easy. And, um, and I, you know, very much enjoyed that watch. Uh, and you know, he, and at the time he wasn't working with anybody like myself, um, he was just doing it all direct. Um, and then he decided maybe within a year or so, uh, that he would, you know, would work with a few people around the world to represent him. And, um, so I you hmm. know, jumped aboard and ordered a couple of watches from him, uh, three watches, and that's how we started. And, uh, I need to talk to the guy, maybe. Yeah, no, he's okay. he's, he's a super nice guy. Um, you know, he's he, he he came to watchmaking. I think he was an engineer as well, electrical engineer or something before. Yeah. Um, yeah so he's not. You know, he's. I wouldn't say he's one of these young guys who's in his twenties. He's not. He's. Um, and you know, and he's got a good head on his shoulders, and you know, he does some cool stuff now. We just received two of his watches today, so so yeah, I didn't actually meet Torstig. Yeah, but mm. it's really cool to see now, you know, that you you know you met him just at his starting point. You know, you you encountered his product just at the starting point, and then you really you know you felt there was a lot of value, mm. not fun, you know, financially, but soul, you know, spirit and soul in that. But it's actually been really interesting to see how Torsty has evolved. I mean, his dials have gone magnificent now with you know Guilloche and all sorts of stuff. You know, he's doing some really really cool stuff. Yeah. But once yeah. again, like that sort of that story that you told, once yeah. again reinforces in my mind the value that passionate, knowledgeable ads or agents like yourself and Rob bring to the marketplace, as opposed to you know another multi-brand Rolex, Ulysses, not and GP boutique, you know where they you know where they just they don't know the product mm. any better than yeah. if anything worse than <laughs> than their potential customer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas what you guys do. Actually, yeah. In some ways, you bridge that gap. Yes. No, I was going to say I don't know if I'd, I'd put myself. Well, I don't, I don't put myself definitely the same same at same level as Tim. I, I, I'm trying to get there. But actually, funnily enough, ironically, when I first talked to Tim about doing what I'm doing now about five years ago, he said, "No, don't do it." <laughs> um, um, or it was more than five years ago. Yeah. When I was sort of thinking my end game was pretty much what I'm eventually done now. I should have done ten years ago, and. Tim was trying to discourage me all the way. I mean, in a nice way. <laughs> and I probably, so, but for guys like me, where you sort of just sort of starting up, basically trying to represent these guys, it's kind of hard as well because, yeah. well, for a start, you know, the massive budget to go and buy people's watches. Right. And so you, you're trying to get by on, on um, 
you know, just getting bits and pieces and for, for people ordering stuff for people and sort of brokering stuff before you can sort of get to the point where you can have a little stock, a decent stock of nice pieces. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you end up, <clears throat> excuse me, sort of not whoring yourself out, but buying watches, which are basically quicker to move, cheaper watches, you know, small, like more, more of a micro band or, or, or you know, um, smaller brands that you know will move that can become your bread and butter so that then you can eventually get one or two nice pieces. Yep. Then you've got to hopefully you can sell them. You've got to have a, basically, you almost have to have a customer for the piece before you buy it because you're, they're, they're a fair outlay. Yep. Even if you're getting them at, um, you're not, not going to get wholesale prices like you do with big brands. Right. The, the, the little brands, they, they just can't afford it. They can't afford that. So, you, you know, you're going to get a tiny, you know, a little percentage off and you hope you can make that back, you know, selling it to a, to a customer who will become a you know, VIP customer who will hopefully buy something else, but it's a bit tricky at the start, sort of getting that. It's a fine line between um, you know, investing in a, in a brand, and they're going to have confidence in you as well. So yeah, it's, of- it's it's. I mean, I don't, it's funny. I don't actually remember that conversation, Rob. And part of me is slightly <laughs> embarrassed because I. No, well, you well, you might saying don't do it, but but you you of all people, yeah. Well, no, I mean, he's it, it, right. I mean, and I I'm you know I have back on you know the jewelry business which is you know is a big part of my business and and that's yes. you know much bigger you know there's many more people buying jewelry than are buying independent watches mm. so it was sort of in a way maybe that was sort of the viewpoint was it's less of a you know a risk if, if you were just doing independent watchmakers without doing anything mm. else it is tough exactly and, that, and that's that's kind of what i'm trying to you, you weren't saying don't do it you're just saying it's really really difficult yeah you're not you don't make a lot of yeah, you're not going to make a lot of money yeah. as a yeah. sort of purely from a business standpoint. Um, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's an absolute passion. But it's interesting how it works as well. You're, you're saying, you know, well, saying that Torsti or whatever, and, and if you know, if I, if I, and I will, I'll, I'll go contact him. I call I, you know, a lot of people. I just got call up in Switzerland and just have a chat, or as I see them online, I, yeah. I, I send them a message online, and I will, you know, definitely. I'm, I'm not spoken to him but when i do i'll say look i know, I know it's all referral stuff it's about yeah. people trusting people who trust yeah. other people basically and it's what it's all about if, if if you if it's a if it's a brand if you don't know or someone you don't know you know i know guys that know the peterman better guys or i know guys that know someone else and they'll get me in touch with him that's how yeah. i first met um I think it was Beata as well and then a few different guys you know there's a bunch of guys who, who you meet through other people and then they become you become good friends, obviously, or good contacts. But it's the same sort of thing. It's personal. It's yeah. all down to the people. It's either meeting the person directly or someone that knows him, um, you know, spoke highly of him, and so off you go, and you start a relationship, yeah. business relationship, basically. So, yeah, I'm getting there, but it's um, I'm sort of I'm, I'm a few few years behind Tim, but um, hopefully we can, you know, we, we've got some decent decent um, like a decent client base, some good collectors, even over here. Yeah, no, in I, Australia. I, so uh, from what I've gathered over the last maybe a month or so, a couple of months of listening to you guys on the different various different Fithrith podcasts. It, there's obviously a, a good sort of core group of great watch enthusiasts and, and, and watchmakers and, you know. There is, yeah. Yeah, there is. Uh, Michael and Alex and stuff. It's, you know, there's, and I, I mean, I've, I know I've, I've sold mm. a few watches into Australia, which, you know, you won't want to, you don't want to hear that, Rob, but I have, I yeah. have, you know. Um, <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I do because then that means there's a market here, basically. So we're you know something to grow. Yeah, there is for sure, mm. for sure. Um, and to have somebody local like yourself who knows what they're talking about and you know, knows the people. Well, that's the whole. That's the only really unique selling pr- 
point proposition that I have compared yeah. to you know bigger bigger boutiques and, and shops and whatever who who have some nice brands, but um. It's sort of, yeah, as you know, it's tricky because these little brands, they don't have marketing, they don't have advertising, so you have to do it all yourself. And yep. it's kind of a vicious circle. Yep, you, you want to get it out there and tell people, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard slog sometimes. So I got a question for Roman. What, okay, mm-hmm. so I've known Roman, I've known you for a year, let's say. What is, where do you, where's your sort of passion for independence come from? Because um, it's really rare in, in the big scheme of things. True. Oh, um, my mother told me I was special. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so look, I mean, my I mean, my journey kind of into watches has been a little bit different. You know, I, I I think I grew up, you know, I grew up in the Soviet Union, so watches are not really fine. Watches wasn't really a thing that yep. surrounded you at all. Uh, watches were, you know, were, were sure. a relative rarity anyway. But you know, they were prized, but they were always unspectacular you know, brutalist Soviet <laughs> watchmaking. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, so my kind of journey to watches was essentially I got into navigation, like history of navigation and things like that. So like John Harrison, you know, that, then I got to like Bertou, Abraham Louis Breguet oh, yeah. through the French yeah. Navy. Then I ended up buying the Art of Breguet book by George Daniels just because I was interested in Breguet. And then I, uh-huh. then I thought, oh, that's a pretty interesting book, 1975, yep. still encyclopedic. You know, this was early 2000s, so 30 years ago. And then I kind of thought, I wonder who this George Daniels yep. guy is. And, I got into, and then it just blew my mind. I mean, Daniels is kind of where I kind of went, whoa, yeah. this, there's a thing called independent yep. watchmaking. You know, and then I kind of heard Daniels, then it was Roger Smith was the next kind of logical step. And then that whole field kind of really opened up because I thought, well, I can't yep. afford that. No way I can afford Roger Smith. <laughs> But, oh, look, there's a whole next tier yep. down, really cool stuff. And there's a next tier down under that. So I kind of, in some ways, bypassed yep. a lot of the major brands, you know, like because it was the kind of I just tunneled in yeah, pretty yeah. much directly into it. And then once you discover the people behind the brands, the, the people on the dials are the people making the watches, you know, I was kind of lost, you know. And I think the yeah. first one of the first main guys, I mean, Peter Spickmarin, yeah, like yeah. I love the aesthetic, like love the aesthetic. Um, so he was kind of one of my first loves, and then yep. I discovered like Paul Gerbo's another guy, which I know you've you've you you you've, you represent yep. as well, and that's just genius. And in some ways, like breaks mm-hmm. my heart that they're not better known. Like they should be better known. They should be better celebrated. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Which is what we're trying to do, and that's what we. Well, gonna, that, it's a do- it's a double edged sword in a way. And right. the thing with these guys now is that, and I think, and this is what you you were mentioning, Tim, way back years ago, was that you know that they're kind of, I mean. They're trying to get so close to their end user anyway, or their where are they? Their customers that they kind of the middlemen like us don't really. I mean, you know, there's to a degree, especially now with social media and everything else, it, we're sort of less and less necessary. The guys can go online, do all their research, call the guy up, or go yep. and meet him at Basel or wherever, and or, or in his in his atelier. You know that the, these guys are fine for that. That if they want to sell a watch, they'll have someone come and visit them. They don't mind at all. So, what what, what do we need to be there for? Kind of. <laughs> You're absolutely right, and. <laughs> it's it's one of the sort of um, it's been pointed out to me over the years since I you know since we started Passion that um, poignantly said to me by a couple of very much smarter people than I am who are you know business MBAs and so forth that there's a bit of a hole in my business plan and that is that what's to stop a client going direct to one of these guys you introduce them to and buying it directly from them and I'm like well there's nothing yeah. at the end of the day and um, and and it is a an issue I would say. Um, and it's something that there's not there's not a lot I can do about it other than having you know a good close relationship with a watchmaker and you know, hopefully if that does happen uh, and I was let's say directly involved in 
talking to some fellow about a watch and they end up going directly to the watchmaker that, you know, there would be some sort of consideration. Yeah. That's um, the best you can hope for. Some acknowledgement yes. um, going forward. Uh, you know, it, we have, going back to the earlier conversation, we have, you know, essentially handshake agreements for us to, to represent these guys. Um, and, you know, there's nothing, let's say, that's sort of enforceable with lawyers and everything mm. like that, which, you know, that whole concept of pause, I hate that. Um, and I'm not, you know, sorry to all the lawyers out there, but you know, <laughs> um, there are too many of them in this country. <laughs> Indeed. And, you know, it, it's, the, the, yeah, I mean, the, the less you can do when you have to have an attorney present, the better in my world. Um, but with that comes, you know, a certain level of sort of code of behavior and, Trust, and, yeah, um, you know, trust, and and I will, you know, I'll say I'm happy to go on record. I'll say that not everybody I worked with has been on the up and up mm. um, from my perspective, and it's a shame. Mm. And and I know that there are some mitigating circumstances, and every now and then people are really hard up and they need money. Um, mm. You know, how can I fault them? <laughs> They've got a choice between, you know, not put, I mean, being a little overly dramatic, but not putting food on the table or. You know, mm. Making a, or, or making a sale, they're going to make a sale. At the end of the day, I, I really can't fault them for that. It, it's yeah, it, it's an issue, um, and it has come up on occasion. And you know, hopefully, for the most part, people do the right thing. I figure that out after <laughs> doing it for as long as I have. So we do what we do, and you know, um, continue on. And as I say, fortunately, I have the background of the of the jewelry business as well. So, yeah, well, uh, jewelry doesn't interest me in the slightest. That's the problem. That's my problem, and I don't have any other sort of right. second, second sort of, um, you know, something anything to fall back on. Um, and clocks don't either. Funnily enough, I don't, I don't mind clocks, but but I've never. I, I figure I've started too late to sort of cover everything. Um, so yeah. I'm going to stick with wristwatches, and that's it. No pocket watches, no clocks, no nothing. Um, anything more than 150 years old doesn't interest me really. I mean, I, it does interest me, and I like the history. Yeah. Of, uh, just as a story, but uh, you know, I've not delved into as many books as Roman nowhere near. Um, and well, me neither. For me, it's just the the, the the guys now, the independents now, and what they're doing and, and what they're coming out with. But it's um, yeah, it's a fine line of trying to push them as much as you can without the guys. Um, yeah, again, it's just trusting as well on the customers, uh, client side. You know, they can the, these guys yeah. are well healed. They can travel. They can go and meet whatever they want. But if they have a good relationship with you, then it kind of makes it worth their while to to to, to have a long term thing where. Well, they know you can come to them with cool stuff and, and, and new things in the game, right. even though they can spend it's, hours online themselves. But so my take on it is slightly different. So you know, I'm not in the industry at all. I'm purely an enthusiast and you know, collector with a small C. You know, I know my place in the, in yeah. the hierarchy of things. But I mean, I look at the online world now, like Instagram, and when you say you know that people can find whoever they find, it's a little bit like you know, we all mm-hmm. thought when you know the apple store launched that any independent music maker can just put their music out there and you know they'll find the audience and you know it's going to be a long tail of sales you know it's going to the bell curve is going to get much more spread out what's actually happened is the opposite right so what's actually happened is the 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 popular ones earn a lot more than they ever did and the tail end you know most of the music makers certainly make nothing you know, because they hardly download at all, but your Ed Sheeran's and your Beyonce's just have a much bigger market. So, and I think the same thing happened with, if I look at social media, you know, FB Jean is much more popular now than they ever were just because of the eco chamber of yep. the, everyone on Instagram posting their latest CBs or whatever it is, right? Um, you, so, your Roger Smith, your well known brands do well. If you're a small, you know, if you're a 
a guy or a girl beavering away making a watch, you know, in Beal somewhere or, you know, somewhere in the outskirts of Finland. You need champions yeah. like you guys locally. And also, so from a collector point of view, you know, the ability to try it on, you know, say if I go to see Rob and he's got a new cool indie brand, you know, I could go and he's got a watch there. Otherwise, yeah. I have to wait a year for the person to buy directly. So I think in some ways, I actually, you know, yeah. I think you guys have a much better future than, and if I go into, I don't know, Watches of Switzerland, hello to our listeners from Watches of Switzerland or Monards <laughs> or whoever the local AD is, I want to go try a JLC or whatever on. Uh-huh. I can directly price that watch with any yeah. dealer in the world, including Chrono24. And, you know, I actually worry more about those yeah. guys than I worry about you guys yeah. because I think you offer a unique thing. You introduce... You champion the the makers to a local market, you, you, particularly if you have watches available, or if you you know if you got it, if you can facilitate that, but mm-hmm. sooner. Like I'd rather go through you than contact the maker. Oh, but I'm you know there's a three waiting list. My, you know, I'd rather buy it from Rob or from Tim or whoever. So so I think yeah, yeah I, and I think we we got into that discussion. We had um one of our previous guests. We had Asher Rapkin from the Collective in California. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we, yeah, and we actually, and like right. your name came up in that conversation, Tim, as like somebody who's like a been a really important and possibly less acknowledged than than has to somebody who's been preparing the ground for this for this you know blossoming of independent watchmaking, certainly in California, but you know on that sort of side of the US. So I think yeah, I, I, I hope the makers appreciate just how important you guys are and have been to their business model of sustainable sales moving forward. So I'm just hope so. I hope that's <laughs> that comes through. Well, thanks, thanks, Roman. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, well, like I think that needs to be appreciated. So. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, and I think long term, it's that. That's why I think that's why I keep saying I should have done this 15 years ago because now I'd probably be at the point where I could basically survive on it. Um, and it's going to take a while to it gets that. And that's what remember. That's what uh, Jean Claude Biver said. He said that the, the business is growing. At, I mean, the, the, the whole industry is growing at, at such a pace that um, you know the, the bigger brand. There's there's more for the. I don't know how he. It's proportionate. The, the, the more yeah. the more big brands are, and the more that watchmaking, uh, Swiss or high end watchmaking goes well, the more there is for. There was little crumbs for the independent guys, and there's more and more little crumbs, and it's becoming a, a real niche industry and a big industry. Just the independents, because the mainstream watches are becoming so huge, massive as an industry. Um, but then there's still a lot of education to do. There's still people out there, a lot of people who who say to me at uh, events and stuff. I had that little event a couple of weeks ago where you know, do, do people still to wear watches? You know, do you? And it's 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 incredible. There's still there's still people who need to be really educated. Um, whether yeah, it be absolutely. through Daniel Wellington or an Apple Watch or whatever at the start, like a gateway brand, as as Bivere again says, um, you know, it's, it's it's what we can use to get a little bit, get our little bit uh, of of business, you know, with what's left over. The people there are more and more people who are interested in something a bit different than a sleeper or something for themselves and not for everybody else. I don't know. That's my one take on it anyway. I I, I think you're yeah. I mean, I, my comment to that is that you know. These things aren't needed. They're not, you know, no. how many people actually use a dive watch for diving or a GMT watch for, you know, flying across the world so they can know <laughs> what time it is when they're calling home in the middle of the night. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a tiny proportion, tiny percentage of the number of watches sold are actually used for their purported design purposes. Um, mm. To me, it's, and I've said this in 
some people probably raise their eyebrows, but to me, it's really, it's a form, certainly with the independents anyway, um, and obviously the, the higher grade they are, this is even more so, but it's really a form of micro-mechanical art or horological art, if you will, mm. because you, we don't need these things. Mm, exactly, yeah. You know, from a day-to-day life. Well, actually, I guess you could probably argue that point, but because um, I, I actually do think we need art in our, in our lives. Human mm-hmm. beings need some form of art. Um, it's, it's something that separates us from animals. And mm-hmm. uh, we appreciate aesthetic things. Um, and, and that's what these are. Uh, and that's really, to me, you know, trying to justify you know, a 70, 80, whatever, $100,000 watch. It's a form of art. Um, yep. And it, it has value in that sense because of that. Fortunately, uh, there are people around the world that appreciate it, have access to learning more about it. And so their levels of appreciation go up the more they learn about it. And, you know, to your point, Roman, you know, you're an avid reader and, you know, your, your knowledge and appreciation for these things uh, has you know, grown exponentially, I'd say, given mm. what you've learned and what you're able to learn on a, literally on a daily basis by, you know, originally from, let's say, forums to now Instagram and various mm. other forms. Um, you know, that, that knowledge that we, we're inundated every day with a lot of useless fucking knowledge, I would say. Um, <laughs> Definitely. But when it comes to something special like this, uh, if, if you have an interest, your appreciation is going to rise. And there are, you know, strictly, I guess, from a commercial standpoint, um, there are enough people around the world that, um, you know, have the ability to support these guys. And, and that allows me to, you know, help them and make a little bit of a living on the side, you know, doing that. Um, but, and, it, and it's worthwhile because in a way, and for many years, it was a dying art. I think it's mm. had a resurgence and I'm, I'm very glad to see that because, you know, people's, the number of people around the world who are craftsmen and women who can do things with their hands you know, for many years that was you know that was going downhill and i mm. think we've you know i think we've uh, um, allowed more of these guys and girls to to do this um and i think that's a positive thing you know to have everybody be an attorney or a you know software engineer is terrible <laughs> you know, um, i do i just think that's that's how i look at it and i'm very blessed to to sort of fall into this end of things yeah and that that i you know, get to deal with it every day is is an absolute joy Brilliant. It's not. It's not work. It's, I mean, <laughs> sorry, I'm gonna step off my high horse. And uh, no, that's not a high horse. That's 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 a that's a good way of looking at it. And it's and it's it's true. If you can, it, we are. I mean, we, we um, it, it's it's we're lucky to be able to. Yeah. I won't, I won't use the word blessed, but um, we're lucky to, to to be able to do that and just to get up and do what we love doing, uh, even if you don't make any money about it. But it's it's kind of fun anyway. Um, but um. Is there? I mean, do you, are there, what are you looking at at the moment as far as new brands go? I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure you've heard and researched, and I don't know if you've met the Peterman Better guys, but guys like that, or different new brands that uh, that are up and coming. Um, what's your what's your what's your take? What do you? I was, I mean, I yeah, that talk about a shame. I mean, I had an appointment with Gail. Yeah, um, same. <laughs> you know, in Basel. Yeah, and was very you know very excited to to see what they were doing, having obviously seen what they've been doing online mm-hmm. and following their work and progress and so forth um yeah i mean these there are an awful lot of awful lot there, there are there are guys out there that are doing some great stuff yes it, that's going back to the conversation that's the tragedy of not having an event like basel mm-hmm. um or 
you know, just putting that aside, you know, if, if COVID wasn't here, then mm. it would be a whole different story because, yeah, we could still travel and go and see these guys. Exactly, around, yes. Um, which I've done, you know, several several trips over the years. Mm. I take a week, drop the family in England and, you know, <laughs> and then just take off and go around Switzerland. Calling them at Thomas Pleasures and have it, that's the sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's just, that's yeah. priceless. That's unbelievable what you can do when you know these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, right. You know, I still owe several of the guys I work with trips to go. I mean, I haven't been to Austria to, to meet Richard and Maria in their atelier. Mm. I mean, they've been to my home and had dinner. And, yes. You know, I, I'm dying to go and see their, their work. I, I'd love to go to Helsinki and see Stefan in his yeah. his place. I mean, I know we get up to all sorts of trouble, but <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, I, I, you know, I've been to Ireland with John and Stephen. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's... Again, that's yeah. You know, we're living in weird times, and you know that this too will pass, and you know we'll be able to get back to that. Yeah. And to and to all our listeners, by the way, who don't know who any of those first names are, don't worry, I'll put all of them in the show notes. That's good. You'll learn lots. Just read the show notes. Oh yes, <laughs> that's fine. But that's a, see, we, but that's why I love talking to you guys because yeah, to you they're like family, right? Which is just wonderful. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's just a human connection. So in a nice. way, yeah. They, yeah, we've yeah we've become yeah great friends, um, and I know Rob. Yeah, you know this first time more than me because you. Some of them, yeah, I guess. But I mean, you've probably known them longer. But I guess I, yeah, I, I made up for lost time in, in, in my. You've done more drinking at the cafe du surf. I definitely had a fair bit of that. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. With even with Carrie and Thomas and 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 Stephen, yeah, uh-huh. um, yeah. Anyway, that's another story. That's. Yeah. We can cover that in another podcast. Yeah, you've got to save something for episode two. What I find interesting is there's, there's at least my impression is, there's always room on the very top of the mountain. Right? So, you know, so the, the, there is room for Roger Smith and a Philip Dufour and a Kari Butaline and, you know, and somebody else because I think people who appreciate one will appreciate the other. And if you're blessed, you know, if you're blessed to have funds for one odds are it's probably yep. not going to be your only watch. Right. What I think, yep. wh- where I think the Swiss industry is struggling is there's a lot of mediocrity in the middle, a lot of overpriced mediocrity in the middle. And I'm not seeing a, contra- yep. a, a fast enough contraction of that. You know, you know, so there seems to be this bloated middle. Um, and I think the Apple watch and the smart watches will nip off the really low end. You know, they'll, they'll just yeah. wither away because there's no need for those. But I just want to see either the bloated middle get better or cut production or just mm-hmm. do something that makes them stand out on their own because I think that's where I think the big worry is for me and including, in the, you know, indie watches in the middle as well in that matter. Well, you, yeah. I mean, the, the, the one aspect that I, I see is, so the differentiator, if you will, of an independent watchmaker's production versus big brand, and there's something that I, I hope and I think people are you know waking up to, is that the marketing part of the business. And, hmm. and let's face it, that's really what sells a lot of these watches. Indeed, um, is a big component of the price. Mm. And um, you know, the, to Rob's point, you know, these independent watchmakers, they don't have marketing budgets. They don't, you know, they don't have an advertising budget. <laughs> You know, yeah, they can spend an hour a day, let's say, on Instagram or Facebook or what have you, um, posting pictures, you know, responding to people's questions and so forth. But you know, the, there isn't um, there isn't a sort of uh, marketing uh, exercise, well funded, um, happening that, that that creates a market for a product. And 
the Swiss and to a lesser degree the Germans, I'd say, a lot of these brands, that's the way the business was run for years. And I think people are more and more savvy to that. To your point, there is an overproduction. You know, I'm not a watchmaker. I don't, I'm not privy to, you know, all all the aspects uh, and the pressures that you have as a, as a manufacturer because you know, you've got to figure out your production levels and you know how much you can think you can sell, hope to sell, all that good stuff. Um, but I do know from my end of the business, there's, there's too many damn watches being made. And the little right. brands don't have marketing departments, basically. So they're, but I mean, you've, you've seen enough, you know enough independent brands and even bigger brands probably over the years to, to, to sort of have a bit of an idea of how they how they do their stuff. And the big brands, I seem to just wanted to come out with new new limited editions every every six months just to, as an excuse to pump yeah. more stuff out, whereas the little guys, they're sort or, of doing it on a much... Yeah, or go back in the archives and pull out something yeah. from... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Genius. That's really, really creative. Ready-made heritage, yeah. Yeah, done that. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's sad in a way, um, you know, but I, I guess that's, you know, maybe that's the easier way to do it. Well, they sort of track. And that's why. There you go. I go, um, no, I mean, that's, sorry, I, that, that's why, I, you know, I, and I've used this expression, it, it really is a sort of exercise in blood, sweat, and tears hmm. if you're, you know, an artisan independent watchmaker because, you know, you're laying it out there. And, uh, you know, I've talked to, Stephen McGonagall many times about this. You know, to me, it's a tragedy that you know his exquisite Tusker mm. Manu uh, will no longer be made because mm. you know he, for the amount of effort and time that he puts into making these watches, you know, it doesn't pay. You know? mm. Yep, yep. And that's a that's a tragedy. Um, and then you see, you know, doesn't matter who they are. <laughs> Watches that sell for, name. You know, mm, yeah. twice as much, yeah, um, that are bought by people that haven't a clue, um, yep. and that's fine. And they've got a lot of money, um, but somebody, you know, somebody like Stephen has to, you know, stop making this wonderful watch and mm. focus on a, a watch that you know, has a lot more money um, in order, you know, to justify his time. And that's, I guess, maybe that's sort of the world over, but. Um, I just think that's sad uh, when, I, when I hear stuff like that. But you know, the the flip side of it is that there are fortunately uh, people like Torsti or the Kadokis, uh, Harbrings, who you know, are creating a different level. And obviously, you know, it's not the same type of product than a McGonagall piece um, because it doesn't require the same you know time and effort in terms of hand finishing and so forth. Um, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's it's a uh, Part of the the market that is easier, as a lower entry to um, lower barrier of entry. Mm. But you know, well, I, I don't know. It, but, it's but that's where I'm sort of really yeah, glad. It is what it is. Yeah, but I'm sort of but I'm but that's why I'm really glad that people like you exist, certainly on that side of the world, and Rob here to a small degree. You know, much you more, need an experienced, degree. but but you need an experienced kind of curator in a sense to walk to walk you up the ladder of independent watchmaking you know you start at whatever it is then you know you might start at ming and then you work up to a torsti then you slowly work you know work up to a stepan sarpaneva's watch then you slowly you know you you ascend the ladder of excellence 
Uh, and yeah. you know, not to detract from the lower end, but it's a different level of excellence in terms of hand finishing, you know, movement design, all of that yeah. kind of business. But you slowly ascend yeah. until you get to, you know, to the to the pantheon of, you know, your Smiths and your Carries and whatnots and your, Gron- you know, your yeah. uh, Gronefelds and your Grubels. But there's, but there's got to be a transition. There's got to be, the, there's, there is a stepped process to get there. And you're right. You're not going to start at the very top. Right. You know, no one buys a Grubel as their first watch because it's just not a thing you do. But you need somebody to lead you along and go, hey, if you like, hey, you bought a Hublot for 50 grand, you know, for 50 grand, there is this whole other world, you know, and this is where you really discover. And I think, but you need that locally. You need those sort of local champions who invest in And that's why I'm really pleased to talk to you, like honoured to have you on the show because I think you've been carrying that flame (laughs) for a heck of a long time on that side of the world. Well, thanks, Roman. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it is what it is. I, I you know, the, the, I look at it. I look at the business side of it and think, you know, it, maybe it would have been smarter to you know carry on with the big brands. And nah. certainly, I, I do get approached by brands, not so much the big brands anymore. Most of them are independent brands, um, but they're still brands. They're marketed brands in my world. Mm. Um, I, I, I truly, really. So try and focus on you know a, a watchmaker or a, a watchmaking couple or watchmaking brothers, if you will. Um, you know, I try and stick to sort of the, the core of that. Um, and I also like uh, you know trying to help help people who are just starting out. I think that's I think I can help people. I can give them exposure, um, and I think that's I think that's sort of a benefit. And you know, in in exchange for that, you know, I can make some sales and make a little bit of money and you know that's how the world works yeah absolutely uh, you know i, I don't I, I don't i think i have a perhaps maybe a limited shelf life with some of these guys because as they get bigger um you know they don't necessarily they need you my less. help and that's fine i'm you know I don't have a, <laughs> yeah i don't have a big ego about it um at least i don't think i do maybe i do but um you know I, I'm, I'm excited to find you know somebody who's starting out and and help them uh, and that's that really gets me excited. And, uh, and my clients, I think, you know, I'm, I think I, have, I bring something to the table in that I can oftentimes find, find out or have access to things that they might not necessarily know about. Um, and, and that's a value to some people. Some people, you know, it isn't a value, and that's okay. Um, but unfortunately, I've found a few core guys that. Uh, like what I do and like the way I do it. Probably yeah. most importantly, like why I do it. Um, yeah, that, that's my, my challenge is to communicate, I guess, to people as, as to why I do this. Because I don't think a lot of people do. It's a bit sort of veiled in it's a business. And you know, mm. the number of people over the years who've you know, told me that you know, business is business, that, what does that say? Well, that, you know, that, that is sort of justifying bad behavior. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, you get a bit of that, especially when the yeah. egos and big money comes comes into play, which is oh, big money. Obviously, yeah. it's, it's reasonable. There's some high net worth people who, and they're really nice guys, and they'll invest in these brands. Uh, but when they when there's there's also the guys with egos, and it's on both sides. It's not just the buyers; it's some watchmakers as well. Right. So it's kind of uh, tricky to to manage. Yeah. <laughs> I find. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good it's a good sort of lesson in life, if you will. Hmm. <laughs> Well, look, Tim. So as we start to sort of 
wrap up, I just want you. I just want to make sure we give our listeners your details. What's the best way for them to find you? You know, we talk about purchases, commissions, whatever. What's the best way for them to reach you from our side of the world or from anywhere, really? Um, well, I mean, I'm on Instagram. That seems to be a pretty effective way for people to communicate uh, at Independent in Time. Uh, we also have the the sort of the, the, the brick and mortar store, if you will, which is um, at Passion Fine Jewelry. Um, and then I'm, you know, on the web, same thing, you know, passionfinejewelry.com and independentintime.com. Uh, Independent in Time is more, the website anyway, is more of an informational website. It's mm. not necessarily set up for selling. Um, you know, Passion Fine Jewelry is, is, the main, is our main business, brick and mortar store. Um, and obviously online, we have e-commerce. But yeah, that's that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. Um, or if, you know, you can email me old school. And if anyone does pop that into the well bricks and mortar them. shop, you should definitely check out the amazing David Walter clock. David David was on the show last week. Incredible clock. Ah, got we in haven't the shop. talked about clocks, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, it's that's that's a yeah, that's a fun story as well. David David's a lovely guy. Yeah, we need to cover that later again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about clocks. Um, I love, I love his work, and he's an incredible guy. Mm. Uh, mm. And he sort of suggested that maybe, perhaps, it might be a good idea if you, you know, have a clock in your shop. <laughs> um, I've always loved, you know, grandfather clocks. From growing up in the UK, I had some family friends who had this wonderful long case clock in their hallway, um, and it had this, you know, very comforting tick, tick, <laughs> tick uh, sound as I walked by. Um, you know, my 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 dad couldn't give a crap about watches. And so we never had anything. There was no clocks or anything in the house. He wore a sort of cheap quartz Japanese gold plated thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, and so it wasn't until I got into the business. And so my eyes were open to it. And then, you know, when I moved to Southern California 10 years ago, in the Bay area and uh, came across David and, you know, the, the clock, idea was oh that'd be cool to have a clock on a wall and you know in my past business i'd we'd actually we had bought now i'm thinking about it um a wonderful german company um God, what's the name of it the erwin sattler rob you thank you yep. yeah. yes erwin sattler uh we bought a couple of the i would call them wall clocks so these are about you know a foot and a half long uh, they were pendulum clocks um that you know you you stuck on the wall pretty cool pieces but i didn't really pay that much attention to it it was just more of a you know, product to sell and maybe have one on the wall in the shop but david's clock is pretty spectacular and when he proposed the idea to me i thought well yeah great let's you know let's do that and he told me the price i'm like fucking hell it's a lot <laughs> but um you know uh, okay fine he said well yeah don't worry about it. yeah you can pay for it over you know take three payments and you know, pay for it over six months I got to build a thing. I said, okay, that sounds a bit better. <laughs> um, you know, we went down that road and, and the day that he came to install it, cause that's David's way. He, you know, mm. you buy a clock from David, he sets the thing up in your house. Yeah. So he came down, drove down. Um, and we were doing a, a, uh, actually that weekend we were, we were doing a, uh, a clock, the class for the horological society of New York, the oh, wow. uh, watchmaker class. And so we were doing, that in the shop, we closed the shop for two days, Saturday and Sunday. And, uh, and David's friendly with uh, a lady called Brianna Lee, who's one of the instructors. Yep. 
Yep. And uh, she said, you know, can David, you know, David's talking about coming down and setting up the clock uh, the day before. Um, you know, does that work for you if he hangs around? You know, I said, yeah, of course. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, anyway, he showed up and the clock is it's about almost five feet tall. <laughs> wow. And you know, it's quite an imposing thing on the wall. Uh, anyway, it took him how, you know, hours to set the thing up. And, um, and it's a, it's a wonderful piece of you know horror, horology that I get to look at every day when I'm in the shop, um, and it's a it's the he calls it the, the the watchmaker's regulator, and it's a simple time only regulator dial, and um, it's a pendulum. It's a thirty day thirty day running clock with a, so the pendulum wow. uh, is a one second pendulum essentially, yeah. uh, and the weight takes you know thirty days for it to to drop from the top. That's amazing. So we, we wind it once a month. Um, and it's, a, it's one of those things where it's a precision pendulum clock. Um, and clock makers get all excited about this sort of stuff, <laughs> much more so than watchmakers, quite frankly. So this <laughs> clock, when it's, if, if, sorry, let me back up. If this clock was installed in the right type of place, i.e. not Southern California, where you have earthquakes, not right next to a railroad track, which is, you know, less than 50 yards from the wall. <laughs> okay. This clock could be could maintain, you know, one to two seconds every three months. Wow. It's that accurate. That's insane. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, it's not the case where we are. That You know, the building moves whenever the train goes by. So um, <laughs> it's never going to be as accurate as it could be. But what a pleasure that is to have on the wall. Uh, and I, I hope one day to, to maybe sell one because of having it on the wall. But yeah, so far, that hasn't happened. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Clocks are, clocks are cool. They just, you know, you just can't travel with them. That's the problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> a shame. So, anyway, sorry, I'm waffling on. No, it's good. No, his his work so is we amazing. Carry on. I like waffling. No, no, his work is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, he's he's a he's a, a comfort. Have you guys had him on the show yet? Yes, yes. So I spoke with him last oh, week. You, so his episode will come out yeah, yeah. probably oh. the week before. Yeah, yeah, a week before yours. So it's oh, no two weeks before. So I spoke. It'll come out sooner or later. So. Yeah. Incredible guy, Looking yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll... You, oh, you have had him. You have. I have, yeah, I yeah. have. Yes, yes, yes. So, and that's okay. what. Yeah, he talked about. Okay, the clock. great. Oh no, yeah. he... I've not talked to him. I've not okay. had any contact no, with him. I've, I saw him, I think, at Basel. Um, yeah, but I've not had any contact. So I'm really looking forward to you know, looking forward to the episode actually, where he, Roman has a chat. Be good. Oh, he's a he's a fascinating guy. I mean, I've been up to his his home and his workshop a couple of times, um, and he's just you know. He's a fascinating guy, and <laughs> extremely accomplished, and um, he's got some interesting things coming along in the watch world, mm. as, as you know. So, yeah, that'll be cool. cool. For sure. All righty. Well, shall anyway. we start to wrap up, guys? Because I know Tim, you've got it's a Friday night, so you've probably got to put your dancing shoes on and head out. <laughs> <laughs> it's early. <laughs> Six o'clock. I think we got. I mean, I, I anyway. I'm sure Roman got as well an invitation for another for another episode about half an hour, forty five minutes ago. We're supposed to be somewhere else, but it doesn't matter. It's fine. Um, I, was, I was enjoying uh, this whoops. conversation. I wasn't going to bump this guest for something. No, 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 no. I'm not. Was, that's the thing. I'm totally enjoying this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but you're right. We should we should we should wrap up as well because I should probably check in on the family. <laughs> Given right. It's a Saturday. Saturday morning. But look, Jim, I just want to say it's thank you for right. joining us. It's been like it's been a fantastic conversation. I've been wanting to get you on the show, uh, just to highlight oh, just 
that there are passionate people in the industry from the retail side, you know, rather than just from the making side. And mm-hmm. I think you exemplify that so well. So I'm really, yeah, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show and sharing your passion and story with us. Yeah. No, oh, brilliant. Thank you. You're guys. a superstar. Thanks, Tim. It was really good to catch up again since we, uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll be able to, I don't know when we'll be able to catch up again properly, but um, I know whether no, it's going to be next year, even that's starting to look a bit shaky. So who knows? Um, anyway, you know, you know, I know we, we know where you are. And um, we'll be in touch yeah. again sooner or later. I'll have to um, have a get it, ring up and have a chat again about what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I like about no, one of the one of the gone. one of the, one of the phrases you use about you know do, doing getting it all organised and introducing people and sort of trying to hopefully hopefully making a little bit on the side where it's just a really little bit mm-hmm. basically. Um, it's it's fun. It's it's survival has been the last year or so. Of, well, from a when when you're yeah. starting up like me basically. Um, but anyway, at least I don't yeah, have to yeah. worry about the tax auditors or anything because there's not much there to audit, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Silver linings. Now, no, shall I... we do some Instagram recommendations or shall we skip it this week, this episode? No, let's do it. I'm easy either way. Go, go, right, go let's do it. it. All right, Rob, well, you're keen. No. You go for it. Well, I don't know. I've got I've a couple here that I'm not, no, I don't know if I've already recommended, but it doesn't matter though because people might listen to this who didn't listen to one like 30 as long episodes as it's ago. not Rolex. No, I'm going to go for the Davidoff brothers again. <laughs> I don't know if someone already has. Um, and as much I think as, you might have, but that's fine. You might as well as, do it again. As much, yeah, <laughs> I may have. As I know, as, the, the, as much as they're slanted a bit towards Rolex, but it's it's vintage, all vintage stuff. Rolex, Seamasters, everything else in, in Geneva. They're good guys. Um, it may have already been recommended, but who cares? It's just Davidoff Brothers or, or one word on Insta. So that's Brilliant. mine. Thank you. Tim, have you got anybody? Uh I've got a guy who's well, he's a dear friend of mine, so I guess that's an you know, easy one. Um, his Instagram is Watch Time It Is. Oh, he's cool. So Watch yeah, yeah. Underscore awesome. Time Underscore It Underscore Is. I don't know if anybody's recommended that before, but no, that's um, a good one. Yeah, he uh, he's a dear friend of mine, but he's obviously um, strongly in the independent world, or almost exclusively. So um, good man. Yeah, he's he's a he's a wonderful uh, guy, hugely massive supporter of independent watchmaking, and um, yeah, so I have to get him on the show. That's awesome. That's fantastic. That no, that's brilliant. Yeah, no, he he would be good. I think he yeah, you'd have. I was following him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, great account. Awesome stuff. I think that's another account. And Scott is his first name. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's allowed to say, but anyway. cool. Uh, good guy. Good yep. Guy. And the one I've got this week is I've got a Mike Stuffler. So Mike, M-I-K-E, Stuffler, S-T-U-F-F-L-E-R. We've definitely had him Cool before, collector, has a cool Kodoki watch. So we know he's, he's a good man already, uh, plus a few <laughs> micro brands and other indies and things. So, yeah. Brilliant. You know, so good to stay what on thing. What Kodoki does he have? Very cool. All righty, Tim. Well, thank you what so ki- much. What Kodoki does he have? Which Kodoki does uh, he have? I th- I think he's got the Kodoki, uh, I think Kodoki once. It's been a little while since I looked at his account. Yeah. Kodoki with an enamel dial, pretty sure, from memory. He's, uh, yeah, cool. My phone's on silent, so I can't, sorry, my phone's off, I mean, so I can't oh. look it up. But. Awesome, awesome to catch up, Tim. That was great. Yeah, guys, what a pleasure. Sorry to get you up so early on a Saturday morning. <laughs> oh, we'll get you back. It's okay. <laughs> I'm going to call you at 3 o'clock in the morning one day. <laughs> 
No, let's do that. I, that'll be fun where you guys are, yeah. Yeah, we'll catch up. Have a bit of wacky changi. Oh, yeah. Day, see? Oh, we know it. See, he has listened. He has, has listened. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, man. That's good. <laughs> I've even actually, I looked I looked up the box. Oh, yeah. A picture of the box. Brilliant. Yeah, they're good. I, just, I love it. You couldn't yeah, get yeah. away with that. Yeah. It's so glittery. No, correct. that's it. Yeah, no, you're too parochial. Well, yeah, that's right. In the US, definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, let, let me do our wrap up bit and then we can let you, we can release you back into the wild. <laughs> All right. Brilliant, guys. Oh, thank thank you. you so much. It was a great pleasure. Cheers. Thanks, Dave. That's brilliant. All right. Bye bye. All right. So, fifth wrist, we set it up as a platform by enthusiasts for enthusiasts. So, if you want to join us, contribute, write reviews, or even come on the pod, please get in touch. We love to discover new people. Uh, follow us on fifth wrist, follow fifth wrist on Facebook and Instagram or on our website at fifthwrist.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Follow me. I'm at Times Roman AU. Rob is at Geneva underscore blue underscore. And our guest, Tim Jackson, today is at, at Independent in Time and PassionFindJewelry.com. Thanks for joining us today and stay on time. <laughs>